Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard, brought to you in part by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And welcome to another edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith. Across from me, General Contractor Donnie Blanchard. Good afternoon, Donnie. How are you? Good. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I was excited about the snow, but it really didn't happen for me. Right. Did you get any snow? It's hard to say uh, what you want to call that mixed precipitation, just a yucky day in general. We didn't even talk about this. We got snow Christmas Day at our house in Wilson. Really? We got flurries in the air. Did you? Because you're farther west. No, I didn't. Talk about having two little girls that were excited to death when they looked out the window. We're eating Christmas lunch, and we had snowflakes in eastern North Carolina. All right, we're not, again, a weather station or talking about meteorological events. We are the Carolina Contractor Show. And if you want to learn more about what we talk about, hit the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. We like to talk about your house and buildings and stuff like that, DIY projects. We got YouTube pages and uh, Facebook pages. Donnie, you keep that up to date all the time. We do. I've been a little slack lately, but I needed a, a playoff for the holidays. So I understand. We'll be back at it soon enough. All right. So maybe the, the Facebook page will get some updates this weekend. But in the meantime, if you want to listen to past shows, you can go to the website also and download them. we got the podcast up there. Listen to them at your convenience. And we also love to have your questions. Well, Donnie does. He takes your questions that you send him, and we answer some of them on the air. We're going to do that a little bit later, but the way you do that is also go to the website, which the address is, Donnie? TheCarolinaContractor.com. And there's a little button there that says Ask the Contractor, and since I'm not a general contractor, I don't answer these questions. Donnie's the one who answers them. So let's kick off the show with a topic about taxes. Oh, it's going to be exciting because any show about taxes is exciting. Right. But in this case, it's about taking money and deductions of off, writing them mm-hmm. off based on things you may do to your house, right. but you want to start it off with a disclaimer. Yeah. Well, I'm not a tax professional by any means. I have a wonderful uh, accountant and uh, he plans to do a show with us. So my, my intention with this was just to start a conversation with our listener audience and say, if you have any questions that we don't cover today, maybe send those to me through the website and we'll have uh, Tom Jones is the accountant's name. Mm-hmm. We'll have Tom on in a couple of weeks and we'll hash out those questions and get a better answer than I can give. And he's a fantastic singer and entertainer. <laughs> I can't believe he does that uh, financial stuff on the side. On the side. Right. All right. Where are we going to start off with some of the things about uh, tax deductions and ways you can save money based on renovations and things you do to your house or your property? Well, we've never given this any attention. I don't think we've done a show similar to this since we got started, but uh, we often talk about um, uh, return on investment. So if you do uh, an addition or a remodel, you know, a remodel doesn't necessarily get you dollar for dollar back. So if you spend $30,000 on a kitchen upgrade, they say you get about 70% of that. So it may raise your home value, maybe 20000 ish. And uh, with an addition, it's a little different. You get more of a dollar for dollar value back on an addition because if your house is worth 150 per square foot, you pay 150 per square foot for that addition. You know, all those numbers seem to line up. But Another way people, and aside from making your house more efficient and lowering your utilities, mm-hmm. you know, these tax breaks are a big deal. And I just feel like um, 
a lot of these things are, are getting less and less every year, the break that is. So in 2021, for instance, they may extend this, but they haven't at, to this point. But there's a renewable energy tax credit that will be uh, in effect until the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. There was one last year that expired um, that we'll talk about in just a moment. But, you know, basically this is a percentage you get back from the, the government for renovating your house to make it more efficient. And it has to fall within these categories. Most of the time, the products that we mentioned have to be Energy Star certified or they have to qualify uh, from the manufacturer to get this particular right. uh, credit. But, um, you know, the difference between a tax credit and a deduction, the credit is much more attractive because that basically comes off of your tax liability. So if you owe 10000 in taxes and you've done one of these things that we're going to talk about, that comes straight off of the $10,000 tax liability where the deduction is a little different. And we'll try to break these apart best I can. But the deduction is, say, you made $100,000, you know, you had $50,000 in office and truck fuel expenses, things like mm-hmm. that. You only get taxed on the remaining 50000 instead of the hundred. So. Uh, credit is much more attractive. Those dollar amounts uh, tend to be a lot more than what the dollar amount you qualify for with the deduction. But um, um, I talked to Tom before I did this, and I said, hey, how would you like for me to steer this conversation? And he basically said, just make people aware that anything they do this year, so between now and the deadline in April for the tax day, I guess the 17th, mm-hmm. he said that anything you do between now and then will have to go on 2021. So if you do your taxes in April, you can't write off anything that you've done past January 1st. So that probably makes sense to a lot of people. But, um, uh, you know, a lot of these things need to be addressed um, now because if they don't renew this this renewable energy tax credit, then this will go away forever. And I can't imagine that they wouldn't come up with something in its place when we talked about the net zero incentives and things like that. I I think that the government will come through. The government will come through. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll come through. (laughs) I think they'll come through with something, uh, hopefully, to incentivize folks to spend the money up front to get that money back on the back end and, of course, uh, just reduce our use of fossil fuels, which I'm not a huge fan of. But um, if I had to say that uh, this can be broken down into two categories on the credit end, there's one called a non-business energy property credit, and that one was uh, it was extended through 2020. So this is important. If you did any renovations last year, which a lot of people did, mm-hmm. so uh, being stuck at home seemed to make the construction industry boom. Sure did. And um, if you did any of these things, it's very important to bring this up during tax time. And I'm going to say this all through the show, but documentation with this stuff is key. So right. uh, if you don't have a receipt or an invoice, which uh, hopefully most people would have record of that or a paper trail via email, that's something that you're going to have to present to back all this stuff up. But this non-business energy property credit, uh, that's things like insulation, exterior doors, uh, windows, skylights even. Uh, if you want to talk about the roof, uh, the skylight credit, it varies whether or not you do the skylights with the built-in blinds, things that can be controlled to get oh, yeah. a, keep more sun out. And those are so neat, by the way. Um, I uh, we, we put one of those in a lady's house last year, and she basically said that she and her family couldn't use the kitchen because it was so darn hot. And uh, they didn't have you talking about right, this. Any, no natural light in there. And then we put those skylights in with the remote control blinds. And not only was she high tech, she said within a couple of weeks, you know, she noticed the family congregated in the kitchen more. So uh, you can't put a price on stuff like that. And that's why I brought that up. But um, certain roofing materials also qualify for this. And we get this question a lot. Um, uh, we got a we got an actual question for the question segment that I'll dive a little deeper on this. But GAF makes a cool series shingle and it has basically a reflective property. So. Uh, that shingle doesn't hold heat like a normal shingle, but mm-hmm. uh, it's actually rated Energy Star, and that's one of the uh, tax credits that you can get through this uh, non-business energy property credit. The other category of this 
was a residential energy property cost. And basically what this is is the equipment. So if you changed out your heating and air and you got an electric heat pump installed last year or an electric heat pump water heater even, mm-hmm. uh, things like that are tax deductible under this category. Um, but, any, you know, I, I would say that any renovation period that you did needs to be documented and reported to your tax professional come April 17th or prior. And um, then if we were moving forward in this um, – Discussion. I would say that the renewable energy tax credits are what most folks are are more familiar with, and that's things like geothermal and solar. And the beauty of these renewable energy tax credits is that there's no upper limit. So where a lot of these things have a ceiling, or you max out at, you know, you can't get more than five hundred dollars back on right. um, on say your doors and windows. Uh, if you want to put the most expensive geothermal pump, uh, geothermal heating and air system in, and then uh, as well have a solar array and a yard full of windmills. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no ceiling. You can get deductions on all those. Um, your neighbors know. will ha- hate you, but hey. <laughs> you have a lot of folks taking pictures of your house. Um, a lot of dead birds, too, if it's windmills, but that's <laughs> like another windmills. story. The um, But the IRS, I- I've noticed a trend that, that every single year, the percentage of the credit that they will qualify you for goes down. So in 2020, the federal credit for these renewable things uh, dropped to 26%. In 2021, it'll only be 22%. So if you put in solar this year, you know, you're you're not going to get near as much of a credit as you had mm-hmm. if you had done it last year. And I think we commented on this a couple of weeks ago. That's not all bad because uh, like big screen TVs, the price of the solar itself comes down. So mm-hmm. every single year, it gets more and more affordable as the technology improves. So um, and on that same note, uh, these, are, these are all federal tax credits. So should you do any of these things, it would be important also to mention to your tax pro, is there a state credit that is in addition to that federal credit? Which sometimes there are. Right. All right. Hit them. Well, number if, one. Number one, if you were going to go through uh, and put a solar panel in, you need to take a few things into consideration. Uh, mainly, you need to have a south, uh, east, or west slope of your roof or a uh, place in your yard where you can put a solar array of panels. And uh, I think the rule of thumb that they use is that you need to get at least five hours of sunlight a day in that one spot. So if you were going to just hang out on a Saturday and kind of scout out where, you know, the trees block the sun area, you know, that would be important to take into consideration. But I always tell folks uh, when you call a solar professional out, hopefully they're trained well enough to say, put it here. And I would, uh, I would think so and right, hope so. Yes. Right. Um, uh, wind turbines or windmills, as folks like to refer to those. I like these. I don't have a lot of experience, and I don't uh, personally know anybody who has installed these and to ask if they were happy or not. But you know, the price range is just all all over the place. They range anywhere from fifteen to seventy five grand for mm. a full system, and they say the rule of thumb for that is that you need at least one acre of land accessible for these windmills, and you know, several other things to consider. Like, um, is there enough wind where you live? We live in in our particular county. We live in the highest elevation of the county, so. You know, it's nothing to have wind, strong winds, you know, four or five days a week. And right. uh, we can really tell a big difference. Say we're at home one day and it's really windy and we leave and go five miles down the road. It's a different story. But if you live in a windy area, I would say that you're a pretty good candidate for these windmills to uh, be effective. Um, the tall towers, if you live in a rural area or a neighborhood, you know, if there's any restrictive covenants in place, definitely want to make sure that um, everybody's on the same page as far as putting a few windmills on your property. Um and the next thing, and this applies to all these solar, wind, geothermal, everything, but uh, determine your energy needs. Uh, if you need, if you're going for the home run and you want to generate as much electricity as you can possibly use, you know, that that's something to take into consideration because I would imagine 
that's where you get into the upper echelon of the $75,000 price tag exactly. for that. And um, I guess the last thing that I would tell folks is if you can interconnect with your utility service provider. So if you're on a grid and uh, if that's something that, say, Duke Energy uh, would be a proponent of or how they would work with the uh, the electricity generation that you're going to have from that windmill and um, I guess you don't have to take that into consideration if you are using this windmill for off the grid. Mm-hmm. I could kind of see a good application. Say you had a detached garage or you had uh, okay. you know, a building or a, uh, say you had a, a small cabin. Like we, we have a small cabin that borders a pond on our land. And my father-in-law kind of built it off the record and it has a small solar panel on it. But, you know, something like a windmill may be good for an area like that where you don't necessarily, uh, you can't justify running a, 30-inch trench with electricity all the way down there, but you only use it a handful of days a year. I think a windmill would be okay Yeah, you think a big farmland when there's right. sections of a farm where they might have a um, storage building or even sheds for farm right. equipment that right. are – A water pump. And, you know, hundreds and hundreds of yards. Yeah, a water pump away from the main house or the right. main uh, residence. You put up something like that, a windmill, yeah. it could generate all the energy you need for that. Absolutely. Uh, the next one, and I'll uh, – go into deductions after this, but geothermal, I am a huge fan of geothermal. I I built a house about 10 years ago and uh, I've maintained a relationship with these homeowners, but it was, they said that that was the best thing that they did. They say that uh, you save around 70% on your utilities. Mm -hmm. So geothermal, if I had to say, you know, $30,000, $40,000 is a really good system. And there are several different ways to put the geothermal in. You probably need a larger yard if you do the, uh, traditional geothermal system where you, you basically lay the coils under the ground. And I would say you need a couple acres of a yard to get that done. Um, they have underwater versions of geothermal, and that's a little less practical. But um, geothermal units tend to have double the lifespan of, say, an electric heat pump or a gas pack. So okay. you don't have to replace it as often, and they're just, just incredibly efficient. Um, if you're dropping your utilities 70%, and you don't have to replace that unit uh, until double the lifespan of, of another unit, then I just, in terms of payback, like we always talk about, I feel like that the geothermal is by far the best bang for the buck. And unlike a windmill or a solar panel, nobody knows you have it. And when you say geothermal, the part that needs to be replaced, that's an above ground part. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. It's not like someone, I know someone out there was thinking, you mean you got to dig, dig all that all this- pipe and back, back out in right. 20 years? You think about the average AC system installed or HVAC system, and a lot of houses now have two. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a easily all day. If you got a good deal, you're going to pay four grand. They'll go out. So if you've got to replace both systems twice at the mm-hmm. time you live in that house, that alone, let's just make it an even five thousand. There's twenty thousand just in replacement costs, not right. counting the initial build and right. install. And then the you're paying normal bills, so what? Anywhere between three and four, maybe five hundred in some places. Exactly. It's going to be your monthly utility. So there's another four or five thousand a year over twenty years. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do the math in my head, but <laughs> you can definitely understand how right. that amount of seventy percent savings. Exactly. That's a huge amount yeah. of savings. Well, just the the just the concept of geothermal. You know, people don't realize that uh, the ground is a, a great insulator. You know, the ground holds the it holds the sun rays longer than anything else that we can come up with. And, you know, if you just dig a few feet down the ground, it's cool. Yeah, it stays between 55 and 70 degrees. So you're basically just using something that's been there all along. And Dogs have known this for a long time because <laughs> what true. do dogs do? They dig a, a hole and lay in it. They lay in a hole yeah. because it's cool. Yep, that's right. And uh, in terms of a net zero show reference, I think that with net zero, geothermal is by far the best thing that you can do to contribute to uh, that net zero goal if, if folks are actually uh, – trying to do that. 
All right, this is the Carolina Contractor Show, and today we're talking about ways you can save money on on investments in your house and the return on investment. We do want to stress we're not tax professionals. Mm-hmm. We we may look the part, <laughs> but we want you to contact somebody who's actually licensed to do right. taxes. So if you have a question about something on your house that you wonder, will I be able to write this off or get a deduction, you need to talk to them. We're just giving you some ideas, just stoking that fire. So now let's talk about deductions. Mm-hmm. And and one of the most common things I think people are wondering about because of COVID and working at home yep. so much are the home office. Yep. I it's, – it's not a home office. I re- record 90 percent of my commercials now in my closet oh, at wow. home. So, But it doesn't qualify as an office because right. we – based on what we've done for research, I am not self-employed. Right. Whereas you are, so you could probably arrange something right. in that case that would qualify. But anyways, let's the talk about that. Two most popular projects last year were home office renovation and swimming pools. And <laughs> one of those is a, a, a luxury buy and the other one is 100 percent deductible. And that's why I think the home office renovation seemed like a no-brainer. Um, I but, would call my pool my office then, just sit out there <laughs> right. with a drink and a laptop. Nice, nice. Um, I Just don't get caught. I, um, I the. The other thing about a home office renovation is uh, it allows you to do to write off just about anything you do to your house. And um, I think I want to say this as a disclaimer: I think that the catch here is that you have to be self-employed for right. this to be. So if you work for someone else, uh, and I don't know if they'll change this or if it has changed, and I just missed it. But I think uh, if you work for someone else and you have a home office, you can't write off these renovations the same way. But uh, the beauty of this home office renovation thing is. If it is a percentage of your home, say it's a 200-square-foot room and you have a 2,000-square-foot house, then anything you do to your house, you, you can write off 10% of any home project you have because technically the home office is being affected by that ten, that percentage. So um, you know, if you have a window replacement or you paint the house or uh, even a heating and air uh, replacement would qualify for uh, 10% off if your home office is tied to that. Wow, I just started thinking, what if – I don't know if this is true, which, again, is why we're stressing contact a tax professional. Mm-hmm. What if your office was like 35 percent mm-hmm. yep. of your home? Yep. Would that mean you could write off 35 percent? If that or is true, yes, or- absolutely. I think a loophole would be, uh, and I don't want to get in trouble for saying this on the air, but a loophole would be, why not just start a business? I mean, it's not hard to start a business. Whatever you like to do, say you like to write blogs, then, you know, um, Eric's blog writing service, and then that way, technically, by law, you can say that you're self-employed and that you use that office at home. So My wife would come home and say, why do we not have walls anymore in the house? <laughs> well, it's one big room, hon, and nice. it's my office. This is called the, the good the, news is you're finally getting those windows you want. <laughs> um, the next one in this category is medical necessity improvement. So these I label this as the gift that keeps on giving, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. But uh, things like ramps, uh, bathroom modifications, if you need to widen doors and hallways, you know, put grab bars in bathrooms, handrails, um, a lift even qualifies for this. But uh, these are deductible as well, and um, I would say that uh, the catch here is that the cost has to be reasonable. You know, you can't turn in an 80000 deduction for a handicap ramp and, you know, a couple of um, grab bars in your bathroom, but right. uh, they do check into this, and they, they kind of know what the cost is, so this has to be within reason, but uh, the other thing is that this can't uh, increase the value of your house, so if this is something that you're going to write off, it can't be shown that it's it's going to raise your property value. Um, the reason I said it keeps on giving is because it's also deductible for the maintenance of these things. If you have to have a tech come out and you have a wheelchair lift, mm-hmm. that's that's deductible. Or oh, okay. if you have to paint or stain that handicap ramp that you built every single year, that's deductible as well. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, 
And we could go a lot deeper. I'm going to wait for Tom to go into some of these other deductions. These are just some of the high spots. But uh, mortgage-funded improvements are another one where you can write off the interest. Um, I think this is probably the most wise way to do anything to your house in terms of um, if you have a refinance or an equity line that you can pull on. You know, Mm -hmm. there's just some tax benefits there. And um, the catch with this one is that it only applies to loans up to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So oh, I think, yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> I think that if you know they they if folks have an eight hundred thousand dollar house, they just don't need a tax deduction. And I I'm sure that's <laughs> driving their way of thinking. But um, you know, some loans like the FHA two hundred three. I made a note here in Fannie Mae, and people are familiar with that name. Uh, these are specifically designed to help with renovation. So they know you're buying a fixer-upper, basically, and they'll give you a loan to to do just that. Um, I don't want to say other projects aren't worthwhile if they don't fall in this category because technically any money you spend on your house and if your house value goes up and you pay that capital gains tax, yep. uh, it, it basically if you you know, you know buy a house for $200,000, you put fifty grand into it, and then five years later that house is worth a half a million then you don't have to pay taxes on uh, three hundred thousand. You only pay taxes on the two hundred fifty thousand dollar increase. So technically, the fifty thousand you put in there, you get that back out and don't have to pay taxes on the increased value. Um, and again, I'll close this out by saying document everything. So I'm terrible about this. I'm really good with the business documentation, but anything I do to my house, I'm just thinking, ah, eh, I'll get it when I need it. But um, you know how hard, how easy it is to lose track of things, especially if it's a year or two down the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, just covering your rear end with the documentation, if you're going to do some of these big ticket uh, deductions or credits, is is very important. And one thing you can do is if you have a Gmail account is make folders. Anytime we've had anything done to our house and we're having stuff emailed, I email it to my Gmail account and then I subfolder. Yep. House, water heater, things like that because I'll most likely always have access and have that right. account and then I can pull that stuff up. Recently my water heater, not my hot water heater, went <laughs> out and I had it replaced and he asked when the last one was installed. Mm-hmm. And I had two things. I had the email when it was installed mm-hmm. from the guy that put it in, and I also wrote it on the actual water heater nice. with a magic marker. But, yeah, keeping records is important because that can be the difference between getting a few hundred bucks written off or a few thousand. Yeah, and the danger of just relying on the company. Maybe you remember that um, ABC Heating and Air changed your unit out last year, and you say, oh, I can't find it. I'll just call them. And I've seen this circumstance several times where they're out of business. That's exactly what happened to me is the company, the owner, passed away mm-hmm. um, 10 years after he installed it. And right. his son did not want to continue the business. It wasn't a big issue for me. I just found another provider. But it does show you if I knew who to call right. and, and made the change to a different provider and everything's good. But, yeah, keep keep records of everything. This is the Carolina Contractor Show. You want more information on that, Donnie will get it up soon on the website. But, again, we can't stress enough. We're not tax pros. Talk to somebody who's certified and can legally give you this advice. But if you are thinking about making a renovation or an addition or something to your house, there could be some big bucks that you could save by doing that. Now, if you have a question about your house that's not related to renovations, well, it could be renovations. Mm-hmm. It can be anything about your house. Go to the website right now, thecarolinacontractor.com, and click on Ask the Contractor. And that goes to Donnie, and he loves to answer your questions. We get a lot of them all the time. And each week, we try to answer a few of those questions on the air. So that's what we're going to do right now. No more delay. Now, before we go to this question, <laughs> my son and I can't remember the guy's name, thinks the pitch man for this product is the coolest guy in the world. We're talking about Flex Seal. Right. And the question is simple. Does Flex Seal work? I can't believe we've made it two years on the air and nobody's asked this. Maybe we can get an interview with that guy. Yeah, really. uh, I'd like to bring him on board to sell roofs for me. But 
Uh, Flex Seal, before I start on this, falls in the category of, I wish I had thought of that. Mm-hmm. Even I don't like it, but uh, man, it really sells, and it's a good it's a good product for a temporary repair, and that's mm-hmm. how I explain it to people. If it's 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 not a permanent fix by any means, but you know, if a roofer is we're backed up on repairs for four weeks at a time, and you know, a lot of people just can't wait. And uh, I don't advise that people go on their roof and try to fix it themselves because it's not very safe. But uh, like I say, this is a temporary repair. Um, I don't think it holds up much longer than that six months. I uh, I saw a video online and. Uh, basically, they they did the flex seal and they uh, monitored it in monthly increments. And by mm-hmm. about that six month, uh, that sixth month, it had broken down to the point where it was no longer effective as a as a temporary even. But um, I'd say that if you use the flex seal, uh, it's got to be applied to a good base, almost like you wouldn't paint a dirty wall. Right, you need to clean the surface, make sure that it's uh, being applied to something that doesn't have any debris or anything like that. And um, and of course, it needs to be dry surfaces. Their disclaimer. And I'd have to say that if it doesn't work at all. I would say anything under pressure. So right. anything like if you spray it on a pipe or you have a um, a bucket with water in it or something like that, I, I do feel like they're fudging that on the commercial a little bit because uh, if it were to work on something that were under pressure like a pipe, it would require multiple, multiple layers. And there's just so many other products out there that you can use instead of Flex Seal for something like that that you know, I'd say a, a roof issue or a gutter issue, yeah. maybe. But uh, gutters are so darn dirty that uh, you know, you'd have more time cleaning the thing out to make it stick than, than anything. So exactly not worth it. Sorry, son. You can <laughs> still like the pitch man, but all right. Question number two sent to the Carolina contractor.com. Our shower had a leak. We didn't know about until it came through our garage ceiling, the water, not the, the shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, what should we go back with to prevent this from happening again? Yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately I get this question a lot. Um, People who have tile showers, they're beautiful. And when they go in, basically you you weren't there when the plumber installed his membrane. So during the rough mm-hmm. end part of the construction process, you know, you've got basically the studs up and you have the plumbing, uh, heating mm-hmm. and air and electrical rough ends. So that plumber comes in there and he puts a membrane in a house where you have a lot of uh, construction workers that are in and out of that house through the remaining phases and he puts a, um, a rubber-based membrane down in there and he folds it correctly and, and even if he installs it right – He's still at the mercy of whoever may get on that. Say an electrician has to step on that membrane to put a light over the shower. Yeah, uh, a lot of things happen between the rough end phase and when everything is completely dried in on the inside. So uh, that's what happened on this this instance. Basically, the shower had leaked a little bit at a time, and there was a huge mold problem that they didn't know uh, because the underside. Of course, the garage wasn't conditioned, so you had this uh, warmer garage and then all this water that made it through. Um, I would say that if you have to tear a shower out, it's major surgery, probably the worst thing that you can happen. And most insurance companies don't cover that because the damage was caused over time. It wasn't just a single incident where the water leaked and it made it wet and you had to tear it out. So uh, insurance companies often balk on this one. But uh, what we did in my personal house is for our standing showers, we have cultured marble bases. It's a little more expensive, but and uh, they they have some generic versions that come like a gray or a tan or a white. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, we, we had ours custom-made, and it's a couple more hundred dollars for that. But we have a tile shower, but we just have the base as a one-piece cultured marble unit. That was 10 years ago. They have several products out there. My recommendation, if this happens or if you want to check it, you know, they make a moisture meter you can buy for 30 right. bucks. And, you know, if you if you sense that the moisture content around the base of that shower is different than the rest of the room, then you probably have uh, something that needs to be addressed. So uh, they have a lot of other products out there that are less expensive than the cultured marble base. but even uh, a fiberglass unit is far superior to what I just mentioned with a tile base in your shower. Very good. Question number three. 
<laughs> my gutters need replacing. Can I save money buying them at Lowe's and installing them myself? Mm, this is a tough one, man. Like I, people do this. People actually do this. It's really not a tough answer. Yeah. Well, um, seamless aluminum gutters are pretty darn cheap, and people are surprised when we give them a quote on the gutter. They think it's supposed to be double that, and so uh, that kind of hurts me because I'm leaving a lot of money on the table. But <laughs> at the same time, uh, the answer is a hard no. Uh, gutters from the big box store, they come in 10-foot increments. So where I just mentioned seamless, we're far superior uh, these 10-foot sections that you can buy in the big box store, and they don't tell you this unless you do your homework, but they are a, a lighter gauge aluminum. So where a seamless aluminum would be 0.027 inches in thickness, where, you know, uh, metal, steel, that's that's uh, that's referred to in the gauges, right. where aluminum is in inches. But He means point, how thick it is. Yeah, 0.027 uh, inches is what a seamless aluminum gutter should be. 0.019 uh, is what they sell in the big box store. So if you put your hand on it, if I put my hand on it, I can tell this very flimsy and far inferior to what I would put on a house. But another thing um, is that uh, the clips that they offer, the clips right. that actually attach it, they're smaller and thinner as well, and uh, and they're expensive. They cost more than the, the studly clips that I can buy at the supply house. And um, uh, what that tends to do is if a homeowner is doing this as a DIY project because those clips are so darn expensive – he spaces them out, say, three foot instead of every two foot. sags. Yeah. And, yep. um, and um, the last thing I'll say is that they have uh, limit ex- ex- limited accessories. So you can't buy a 30-degree turn, for instance, there. They just have simple things like elbows and uh, connections. So um, if you were going to go the seamless gutter route, since we're on the gutter topic, I would say it's a no-brainer to go six-inch aluminum seamless gutters and the six inch versus the five inch doesn't sound like a big jump uh, most people have five inches but now sixes are, are what's a lot more common it's a dollar more per linear foot average house you know 120 160 mm-hmm. feet of gutters so you're talking less than 200 bucks to get a much larger gutter trough and i think that's uh, the route to go and a lot of people say well i want new gutters because my gutters kind of sagging away from the house and um, i tell them i say hey if i can't see it on site i say look at the lip of your gutter if you see little nail heads every two feet that's the old style they used to put the gutters into the fascia with these long 20 penny nails right well um if if you don't have the 20 penny nail set up and you have the seamless gutters already but the problem is they're just sagging or pulling away from the house you can go buy a bag of gutter clips from like a roofing supply company for instance uh, and and they like have Mid Atlantic Roofing Supply. Yeah, Mid Atlantic um, ABC has has stuff like that in stock. And um, basically, what you do is you go up to your gutter and uh, put that clip inside. You can't see it from the ground, and then it'll screw back into the fascia. So you can do a gutter repair instead of a replacement in some scenarios. Awesome. If you've got a question for Donnie, send it to the website. I want to just tell you back on the gutters. Mm-hmm. Um, I would only hire somebody yeah. because in the long run, you might save a few bucks when you buy the materials. But it's a pain in the butt. You're going to need a second person. If yeah. you've got a second floor, forget about it. Forget about it. It's just going to be easier to hire someone who's insured. And if they've done gutters a thousand times before, they're going to knock yeah. it out in an afternoon. I didn't mention the most important thing. or I, I got on it and got sidetracked. But the uh, the 10-foot sections of gutter that you're going to get from the big box store, you think about in 160 feet of uh, gutter, mm-hmm. how many more seams you're going to have. And the seams are the vulnerable points. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, seamless. There's an go. easy fix for that. Flex seal. <laughs> you just 
spray some in and connect everyone because it, it lasts for at least six months. If you have a question for Donnie, go ahead and hit the website, thecarolinacontractor.com, and click on that Ask the Contractor button. And again, if you want to listen to past shows, we've got them up on the website. And then Donnie's been filming the most recent shows, and he puts those up on a YouTube site, and he'll have the link to that when he gets it produced and looking purdy and all them special graphics he does. In the meantime, we were talking about gutters and roofs and how Donnie does that. If you mm-hmm. have an issue with your roof or it's just time to have somebody look at it, contact SureTop Roofing. Uh, the, the estimates are free. They come out and look at your house. They have a drone. Uh, my son got a drone for Christmas because of hearing me talk about Donnie having a drone all the time. Sorry. So, no, we actually know. <laughs> no, it was one of the first things we did. We flew it over the house, and my wife said, the gutters need to be clean. Oh. Like, oh that's not- <laughs> anyway, be sure to contact SureTop Roofing. Their website is SureTopRoofing.com. And the best thing that can happen when you have Donnie come out and look at your roof is he says this. Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we will see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show, presented by SureTop Roofing. Learn more and submit your questions at thecarolinacontractor.com. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.